Eternal Health, episode number six. You're listening to the Eternal Health Podcast, where we discuss God's great design for your life in body, mind, and spirit. Your host is Laura Rimmer, who's a plant-based nutritionist, author, speaker, and health coach. Looking for yoga tips or the latest protein shake recommendations? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. If you're ready for no-nonsense, multi-layered health expertise, drawing on evidence-based nutrition and biblical principles, welcome to Eternal Health. For show notes and to download your free five-minute Optimum Health Scorecard, please visit laurarimmer.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Eternal Health and episode number six. Today we're going to be talking all about the alkaline diet and this is going to be the first part of a a bit of a longer series on the alkaline diet because it's something that I've been studying and working with over the past, well, with my websites over the past 10 years, but personally in my own life for almost 17 years. So it's something that's very dear to my heart, but also more than that, it's something that's very controversial. It's something that's very misunderstood. So I think it deserves more attention than just one episode because we'll only get through so much today. So this is really going to be an introduction to the alkaline diet and really with the subtitle, is it solid science or is it quackery? Now, before we get into this episode, I would just like to highlight to you last week's episode, episode number five of Eternal Health, which was all about relating our health to the seven habits of highly effective people the book written by Stephen Covey quite a number of years ago now and sold in the tens of millions all around the world and I um, related those seven habits so things like be proactive think win-win sharpen the saw and some very sound principles that we can use in life and business and I related that to your health and how we can apply them to really um, take our health to the next level so do go back and listen to episode five after this episode if you haven't already. So this episode and the alkaline diet. Now, just to give you a little bit of background as to how I became interested in the alkaline diet. I, at the age of 21, when I finished university and was just beginning on the path of of trying to improve my health and diet and exercise regime, having been very unhealthy at university, eating all the wrong stuff, drinking too much, smoking, and really my health was deteriorating. I put on weight. I felt really lethargic and I basically felt like an old woman in a, in a 19, 20 year old's body. So started making some changes. And when I left university, really, you know, took that quite seriously. So what I would do, I would use myself as a guinea pig. I would try for maybe a week at a time, maybe a couple of weeks at a time, a specific diet. So whether that was the Atkins diet high protein diet or a high carbohydrate diet or a high fat diet, I would mix things up on a week to week basis and measure my results. So I would measure how I'm feeling. I would also measure my recovery at the gym because I was beginning to do a lot of running. I was starting training for half marathons at that point. So I would see the effect different changes in my diet had 
on my running performance, on my recovery, on my sleep, on my energy levels and my ability to lose weight because at that point I was looking to lose a bit of weight. And what I found was having tried lots and lots of different diets, the one that really, really kept resonating with me on all aspects from easy weight loss to fitness recovery to fitness performance and my speed in my running and endurance was a diet rich in fruits and vegetables, some whole grains, some seeds and nuts, and lower in animal protein, in processed foods, and um, and fats, refined fat. And that's what I found time and time again to be really beneficial. Now, at that time, I just called it, you know, a more fruit and vegetable-based diet. So this was before, really, the concept of a, a plant-based diet became popular, before even veganism was becoming more popular, Obviously now there's a big rise in vegan diets for great health and things. But back then in in the year 2000, 2001, it was really still quite new. But I found that to be really, really beneficial. And also coupled with the research that I was doing, that backed it up. There was a lot of studies that I came across that that also said that fruits and vegetables and whole grains and, and starch foods were really good at producing great health. In episode three of Eternal Health, I interviewed Dr. John McDougall, who is one of the um, most prolific doctors in the area of using a high fruits and vegetable, high starch-based diet for reversal of disease and promotion of great health. So do go and listen to that episode as well if you haven't already. So both the research that I was doing and the results in my own life pointed to a high fruits and veg, high starch-based diet, in producing great health, great fitness, great weight loss. Now, fast forward a few years, and I was really reaping the benefits of this diet and lifestyle now. And in 2008, I went to a a seminar in London, an Anthony Robbins seminar, which you might have heard of called Unleash the Power Within. And it was basically me and 12,000 other people for uh, four days with Anthony Robbins, this big dynamic seven foot success coach from America. And on the fourth day, he really focused on diet and health. And he started talking about the benefits of an alkaline diet for great health. And as he's mentioning this, I'm thinking, what is an alkaline diet? I wasn't familiar with that concept at the time. And as he went on to explain what the alkaline diet was and what foods you'd be eating to to benefit from the alkaline diet, I realized that this was the kind of diet that I had been following. So as soon as I heard the concepts and the foods that he was mentioning and the things that we need to reduce and eliminate from our diet and health, I was immediately sold because I knew I'd had years of experience at this point, eight years of experience in doing what he said. I I wouldn't have called it the alkaline diet at the time. But um, yeah, I knew this to be true. So from there, I went home And I was already in the throes of setting up a website, a health website to start a newsletter talking about the benefits I'd had in my own life. And I also had a lot of people at the time asking me, can you coach me? Can you show me the concepts that you've used to get the great results you've had? So I was already doing a bit of coaching as well. So I decided to set up my website, Alkaline Diet Health Tips to start talking about this in a wider setting and to start informing people of the benefits of an alkaline diet and what it is. 
So that's really my background. So it's something that's, um, yeah, close to my heart. It's something that's been, I've been, you know, using in my work for many years. And it's also something that I get a lot of emails about. I have a lot of people messaging me saying the alkaline diet is a myth. It's it's bad science. It's quackery. So yeah, I, you know, if I had a a dollar for every time someone sent me some information claiming that the alkaline diet is a load of rubbish and it's bad science, then um, I'd be pretty well off. But on the other end of the scale, I also get many emails from people all over the world pretty much every week saying that the alkaline diet has benefited them, that they've seen some amazing results following a more alkaline diet, that they've read up on it, that they've been applying it to great effect and in many instances that they've actually been able to reverse some serious diseases. So what I want to do in this episode is to look at the facts, the myths, the misconceptions and we'll look at what the solid science says. And again, just to reiterate, this will be just an introduction, an overall high level introduction to the alkaline diet because I don't want to bog you down with too much of the science and you know I could start talking about acid bases and buffering pairs and the bicarbonate system and the phosphate system in our bodies I'm gonna just give a high level overview and probably in a future episode I will dig deeper into the science and some of the papers that have been produced to talk about the efficacy and the yeah the the effectiveness of an alkaline diet but suffice to say in this episode it will be an introduction an overview and to answer the question is it quackery or is it good science okay so let's dive in so let's first define what we mean by an alkaline diet and in chemistry if you remember back at chemistry in school and biology we talked about acids and alkalines and they're really opposites. And so what we mean by an acid or an alkaline is on the pH scale, the potential for hydrogen scale, which is a scale that goes from 0 to 14, then in the middle at pH 7, that's neutral, and anything below 7 is acidic, and anything above 7, 7 to 14, 7 plus to 14, is alkaline. So when we're talking about an alkaline diet, what are we talking about? And this is really where the, all the confusion starts and the controversy because we don't define when we're talking about an alkaline diet what we mean, what what alkaline are we talking about? Are we talking about an alkaline food in its physical form? So for example, oranges, um, lemons, citrus fruits are acidic in their physical form but they have different properties once metabolized through the body. They're actually, they actually leave a residue of alkaline minerals such as calcium. So therein is the first controversy. Are we talking about food in its physical form or once it's metabolized? Also, what pH in the body are we talking about? Are we talking about stomach pH, which needs to be absolutely acidic? So the hydrochloric acid in our stomach is acidic in order to break the foods down and be effective in the digestion process so there's no way you want to be alkalizing that stomach acid that's going to produce all sorts of problems or are we talking about the blood now our blood is maintained at a homeostasis set point of a slightly alkaline so between 7.35 on the ph scale and 7.45 
And the answer is yes, we're focusing on our blood pH, but what we're not saying is that we're going to try and change our blood pH by the foods that we eat. Now, people against the alkaline diet would say things like, you cannot change your blood pH. Your body has lots and lots of buffering systems, and we'll talk about some of those buffering systems in a minute. But our body has buffering systems, which means that there's no way any food you can eat will change your blood pH. So therefore, it's ridiculous. It's a, it's a stupid notion to think about an alkaline diet and eating alkaline foods. Now, in part, they are correct on that. <laughs> your body will regulate its blood pH um, because it's one of the most critical functions in the body. And if your blood pH deviates from that small set point, then we will die. <laughs> it's quite as simple as that. So here's a better way to think about it. If you think about our body temperature, that also has a homeostasis equilibrium set point of 37 degrees Celsius. Now, you could argue that there's nothing that you can do to change that set point. And to a degree, that would be true. But think of this. Imagine if you went out on a, a hot summer's day and you went out wearing lots and lots of layers of clothes and it was really quite hot. The sun was really strong. What would happen? You would start sweating. You would start, your veins would come to the, the surface of your skin to try and cool down. Your body has ways to expel heat. So it's got these um, temperature buffering systems, if you like, that will allow us to keep that core body temperature, even if it's a very hot day and we're wearing lots of clothes. On the other end of the spectrum, imagine if you went out on a very, very cold day in just a t-shirt and shorts, your body would start shivering, your teeth would start chattering, your veins would go beneath the surface of your skin to try and keep in the heat, the hairs on your arms would stand on end, you'd get goosebumps to try and trap warmer air and keep it close to your body. So again, your body will have a mechanism to try and retain and generate heat. But what if you went out on that same cold day, really, really cold day, and you jumped in the sea and the sea was freezing cold and you stayed there for an hour and you weren't really moving, you weren't doing a lot of swimming, you were just kind of bobbing around in the water. That would get to the point if you kept doing that and didn't actually get out or do something to warm yourself up, it would overload your body's ability to, to generate heat and it could result possibly in something like hypothermia. So that's where your body, yes, has mechanisms to try and retain and keep the heat and maintain that homeostasis, but there's only so much it can do. And if you overload your body with excessive cold, then it will result in, in a real serious situation in your body that's, um, that's going to be bad for your health. And it's exactly the same with your diet. So yes, our body will maintain our blood pH at 7.35 to 7.45. However, if we keep eating foods, drinking drinks, doing things within our lifestyle that puts a strain on that, and it could be a strain either way, it could be excessive acid load, which would result in acidosis, so either respiratory acidosis or metabolic acidosis, or on the other end of the scale, let's not rule this out, respiratory alkalosis or metabolic alkalosis, so an excess of alkaline substances in the body, producing that effect in the blood, then either would be really bad. 
Now, in our Western society and within the culture of foods that we eat and lifestyle habits that we engage in, it's very unlikely that there will be a danger of alkalosis. So an alkaline overload within our body, which is threatening that blood pH. But it is very likely that we could have an excessive load of acidifying substances within the body that are putting pressure on that blood homeostasis. Now, we do have very, very sophisticated and very efficient buffering systems, which will ensure that our blood doesn't become too acidic. And I'm just going to give you a very quick and simple overview of those three main buffering systems. And I'm not going to bog you down with too much science. I'm, as I mentioned, I might go into the deeper science in another episode. But for now, let's, ju- let's just keep it quite simple. So the first buffering system is your bicarbonate buffer. And that is used in the respiratory and metabolic systems to neutralize acid. So it's secreted and produced mainly by the pancreas and the kidneys to neutralize acid. If you think your food comes through your stomach and the stomach is is acidic with hydrochloric acid. So when it passes through there, you don't want really strong acid going through the rest of your body. Your stomach has a lining. It has mucus, which prevents that acid from burning through the membranes and, and your cells but you don't want that going through the rest of your body. So bicarbonate is produced to to neutralize that out. Now, the next buffering system we have is the phosphate buffer. It's used within your cells, so it regulates the pH within your cells and within your urine. And that's a very different system to the bicarbonate system. And then the third main one is your protein buffer system. And this is used within your blood plasma and with and in your cells so hemoglobin within your blood is the most important protein buffer and it's the most plentiful within your body and proteins are really great buffers because they can either give or take a hydrogen ion so an h plus ion as necessary depending on the situation and the role of hemoglobin is to transport oxygen from your lungs to other parts of the body. Now, interestingly, here's a really interesting fact, and this is one of the real key things to bear in mind when it comes to the alkaline diet, is that hemoglobin is very, very similar in structure to chlorophyll. So hemoglobin in blood, your blood is classed or generally called the river of of your life. So it's the thing that flows through your body. It produces the vitality. And in a biblical sense, we see that the life is in the blood and death comes from the shedding of blood. So there's a very, yeah, a very biblical aspect to, to your blood being your river of life. And chlorophyll is the green substance that is the the equivalent of blood within plants. So it's interesting, isn't it, that chlorophyll is very, very similar in structure, chemical structure to our body's um, hemoglobin. And the main difference is that chlorophyll has magnesium at the center of it. And hemoglobin has iron. But other than that, very similar in structure. So what happens when we eat or drink foods and drinks that are rich in chlorophyll is this, is that it provides a really great way of cleansing and building your body's blood. It oxygenates your blood. It oxygenates your body. And it provides an abundance of alkaline minerals. So if you think 
the center of chlorophyll is magnesium. Magnesium is an alkaline mineral. So it's giving you a, a residue of, of alkaline minerals within your body. So what can we draw from what I've explained to you so far? We can conclude that the alkaline diet is not about trying to change our blood pH because our body is very good at doing that anyway. It's not about the pH of foods in their physical form because things like citrus fruits are acidic in their physical form but once they're metabolized through the body they leave an alkaline mineral of things like calcium magnesium potassium but it is concerned with working in harmony with your body's homeostatic set point in your blood of between 7.35 and 7.45 and eating foods that are rich in um, in alkaline minerals so in particular, let's focus now then on those foods that produce alkaline minerals and work in harmony with your body's um, blood alkalinity. So we've looked at chlorophyll-rich foods. So leafy greens are the most alkalizing foods that you can be eating. And who would argue with the fact that you know leafy green vegetables are good for you? No one. We all know this. We all know this. So whether you you're a proponent of the alkaline diet whether you're convinced by the term the alkaline diet or not no one it's not really in dispute that that leafy green vegetables are really really good at producing great health so the type of things we want to be eating lots of and more of are spinach kale watercress swiss chard lettuce all those types of things and then herbs like um, coriander or cilantro parsley yeah so leafy greens are, are the number one alkalizing thing so anything that you can do which is going to incorporate more leafy green vegetables into your diet is going to be a really good thing a chlorophyll rich supplement that i highly recommend i've been taking myself for about 15 years now is wheatgrass juice so you can either get wheatgrass juice fresh or wheatgrass powder and i'm not going to talk about that in too much detail here because i will do another episode specifically on wheatgrass because it's such a wonder food that um that it deserves its own episode in itself as well as leafy greens plant foods so think fruits vegetables whole grains things that come from the earth as opposed to animal-based products and things that are manufactured in a chemical plant somewhere whole foods produced from the earth are the richest source of alkaline minerals so potassium calcium magnesium specifically so any fruits whole grains those types of things are going to be good and beneficial for you. Now, you might have a gluten intolerance. You might be have a propensity or an allergy to certain types of whole grain, for example. That's fine. You know, I'm not saying that if that's the case, you need to then go and eat glutinous foods. You know, you can find the balance for yourself, which works with, with you and your body. But... A focus on fruits, vegetables, whole grains, some seeds and nuts is going to be a really great way to work in harmony with your body's alkaline, um, yeah, alkalinity within within your blood and that homeostatic set point. 
So the next question is, what foods are acidifying? What foods are going to produce a a low-level acidosis within the body and put a strain on your body's buffering systems and ability to keep that homeostasis? Well, meat and dairy products produce a residue of acidic minerals such as phosphate and sulfur. So we want to be cutting down on those acidifying foods and also in this day and age the way that animals are farmed also adds to that problem because they the animals are typically given really dirty feed genetically modified foods that they shouldn't be eating cows for example are designed to be eating grass not corn not ground down other animals which is typically what they're fed in factory farming So we want to be cutting down on meat and dairy-based products and also chemical-based products that are produced in a factory somewhere. So things high in additives and flavorings and preservatives, frankenfoods, as I like to call them. So those are the types of things we want to be cutting down on. So to recap, the alkaline diet is about working in harmony with your body's natural buffering systems and natural process of maintaining an alkaline set point within the blood. It's not about trying to change your stomach acid or trying to change your body's blood pH or anything like that. It's about working in harmony with what your body needs to do its job. And what your body needs is it needs alkaline minerals. Yes, it needs some acidic minerals, but we generally get those in abundance anyway. But there is a tendency for us to be alkaline mineral deficient. So many people will struggle, for example, to get enough magnesium. And that's where we need to be eating leafy greens. Same with calcium. It's easy to be deficient in calcium. So we need to be eating again, leafy greens, the most bioavailable form of calcium for us is leafy greens. It's not milk. It's not animal-based products it's dark leafy greens broccoli spinach kale those sorts of things so that's really in a nutshell where we need to be focusing our our dietary efforts if you like more leafy greens more fruits vegetables whole grains cutting back on meat dairy and processed and refined foods and what are the benefits that you're going to reap then because it could sound like hard work, especially if this is not the type of diet that you're you're used to. It could sound like you're going to be really deprived. It's going to be hard work. It's going to be unsustainable. Well, let me tell you this over my 17 years of experience and the experience of many hundreds of people I've worked with over the course of my, um, of my work and feedback I've had from people is that when you switch to this type of diet you will have more energy. That's the number one thing that I hear from people that I've experienced, an abundance of energy. So you'll wake up in the morning and you won't need a caffeinated drink to get you out of bed and get you going because you'll wake out, you know, you'll get out of bed with an abundance of energy, having a good night's rest and feeling great within yourself. A more alkaline forming diet is also wonderful for preventing ill health and disease. So think the big Western diseases, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, obesity. It's also a really good diet to be on to try and reverse um, ill health or disease. The other benefit is that you can eat tasty foods that you love without restriction or deprivation. Because who doesn't like eating things like potatoes and rice and curries and pasta and all that kind of stuff, which where society would say you need to cut back on that stuff. No, our body needs carbohydrates. It needs 
uh, carbohydrates mixed with vegetables full of alkaline minerals to thrive. So eat those curries and those big pasta dishes and nice fruits and smoothies and things like that. And, and your taste buds will change. That's the reassuring thing. If at the moment you love eating meat and dairy and maybe unhealthier types of foods, it will only take a, a matter of literally weeks for your taste buds to adapt to a new, more healthy, more alkaline forming diet, and then you'll appreciate those foods. So for me, I used to love eating McDonald's. I used to eat it every week, every single week, if not sometimes every day. For a period of time at university, I was eating McDonald's every day. I'm ashamed to say, but now the thought of having a McDonald's burger literally, oof, I I just wouldn't want to eat one. Whereas an avocado and some oat cakes with some sweet chili sauce, yeah, give me that any day. Or uh, a, an alkaline vegetarian curry, yep, I'll take that. <laughs> um, or a big green smoothie with lots of fruit and mangoes and spinach and lemons and bananas yep I'll take that as well so your your taste buds will adapt the final benefit I'll tell you about is when you start eating more alkaline forming foods you will find that if you need to lose weight or even if you just want to lose a few pounds it will become quite effortless because all of a sudden you're fueling your body with what it wants to it wants to have and your cravings will diminish You'll be able to eat bigger, fiber-rich foods with less calories. So you will find, coupled with keeping properly hydrated, that you will effortlessly lose weight. That's been my experience and the experience of lots and lots of people who I've worked with and, and spoke to around the world. So there's lots more that we could say about the alkaline diet and I will by all means be talking in future episodes about as I say, more of the science because some people will appreciate the more in-depth science and want to hear the studies that back this up. And there are lots just to say that um, a lot of people opposing the alkaline diet will say there's no science behind it. Well, that's just not true. There is, there's lots of scientific papers. Um, I have a lot of them. I've read them. I've studied them. So in a future episode, I will talk about that kind of stuff if you're interested in more of the detailed science and, and evidence for this stuff. But for now, I think we'll leave it there. And I will just conclude with a couple of biblical quotes which, which back this up, the fact that we should be eating lots of alkaline-forming fruits and vegetables. So right in the very beginning of the Bible, in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis 1, the first chapter of the Bible, God said to Adam and Eve, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it and they will be yours for food. So that's Genesis 1.29. And then on the other end of the spectrum, so in the book of Revelation, which is the very last book of the Bible, and this is talking about the new creation. So when Jesus returns to the earth and recreates a new heavens and a new earth where he will live with his people for eternity in, in the, a perfected world, a perfected creation, what will we be eating? Well, back to um, the original design of fruits and vegetables. So this is from Revelation 22 two. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruits, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. 
So thank you so much for listening today and do subscribe in iTunes, rate and review. I'd love it if you were able to give a a positive review, a five-star review. That will really help the show and help other people to find it and benefit from this information as well. Do go to my website, laurarimmer.com and download your Optimum Health Scorecard. And I look forward to speaking to you again in episode seven of Eternal Health. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Health Podcast. Go to laurarimmer.com to download your free Optimum Health Scorecard and find out your current health score, plus tips, coaching, and training on how to get slim, healed, and energized. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and we'll catch you next time on Eternal Health.